This is Better Red Than Dead, a literature podcast from a left perspective. I'm Megan. I'm Tristan. I'm Katie. And today we are talking about Lady Chatterley's Lover, aka <laughs> Dicks Out for Fash, which is D.H. Lawrence's 1928 novel about the wang of consciousness. <laughs> yep. 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 So uh why why did I why did I pick this? Um I did <laughs> yes, not why? I didn't ask you to read it to punish you. Like, I swear to God, I asked you to read it because it is very, very funny, not at all on purpose. (laughs) And it makes you think that sex is gross. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like in a way that's totally outsized to the way that sex is is gross, IRL. Because we have like meat bodies. This is different. This is different. And boring. Gross and so painfully fucking boring. boring. Yeah. It's the real Fifty Shades, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It is Fifty Shades of of, um, bilious color. Uh (laughs) And D.H. Lawrence is so weird and actually like really bad which is funny because this was kind of like a good time to be an english writer and also like talk to other writers so you could maybe get good yeah and so here the other reason is that i want to live as a liberal i wanted us to read something that was banned (laughs) Mm -hmm. because i think that a book that is banned gives us a pure unmediated insight into how society works Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think that books that are banned are automatically good and important (laughs) (laughs) i think that uh by reading this book you will understand things about sex that you you shouldn't um (laughs) yes uh not really any of those things actually but for real i have been thinking recently about (laughs) the affect of horniness like not the feeling but the affect and um how this book is the least horny book affectively that i have ever read it's like an affective cold shower (laughs) (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. it sure is that yep 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 Uh, it's also like made out of the slime from from one of those children's television shows from the 80s what uh you can't do that on television yeah yes yeah I don't think most of our listening audience will be familiar, but uh, it was uh, my birthday last week, and now Tristan and I are 40, so. Happy birthday! Yes. Happy birthday, Virginia Woolf, who deserved to be celebrated on our podcast. She so Yes, and we totally planned that episode for right around her birthday. Yes, and this is Megan, this is Megan's birthday present. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, Virginia Woolf got a, a better one. <laughs> yeah. Look, it was really important to me that we read both the worst modernist and the yeah. best modernist, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like um, the, yeah. of best yeah. English modernist and worst English modernist in such close like, proximity. I think some of our best episodes are ones where we do not in any way refrain from just fucking shredding at a new asshole. So and this this gives us yeah. plenty of ammo. This could use more assholes, frankly. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, sure. I would more diversity. <laughs> yeah, I would have been fine with that. And Meg, when you said uh, that you wanted to be a liberal, I'm piping in the West Wing theme song over <laughs> that part. I like it. <laughs> so 
Meg, you had a, you had some thoughts about this book and sex, and I had some thoughts about this book and sex. My thought was, I, well, I, I've never had sex. I'm yeah. here to announce it today. <laughs> uh, never had it. And thank God. Never will. Because it sounds really, really disgusting. Yeah. And again, I wanted to be a sort of different kind of how society works person. And so now I am. I believe firmly in censorship. I think that this book should be burned. And if you read it, you should be arrested. I, citizens, arrested myself. And as soon as I see the two of you in person, I'm going to citizens arrest you and take you to book jail, which is the Regenstein Library. That's true. So. As we'll talk about, Lawrence really amazingly gets right up to the precipice of possibly a good opinion to then jerk you right off it. Yes, yes. Incredible. He also, I'm sure we'll talk about this too, has the anatomical and scientific knowledge of a 14-year-old medieval farmer, <laughs> but the like the one who weren't never right again after he got kicked by that horse. <laughs> or watch the horse give birth. <laughs> the insane Penguin Edition, which we have tweeted the cover art of. Look at it. It's crazy. The the introduction to that is equally bonkers. Penguin's been on one recently. Oh, the you mean person- like when they stole No-No Boy? Well, yeah. I mean, that's 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 at a whole other level for sure the the uh the the please sponsor uh, Dor- our podcast <laughs> yeah yeah, please, <laughs> yeah hey, this is our pitch doris lessie right who wrote it i has this lighted there that lawrence didn't know what the the clitoris was and i was like oh har har that's har, the har. oldest like no he doesn't <laughs> like it's it's uh, he doesn't know a lot so yeah. many things he doesn't know doris lessing god who knew i know yeah <sighs> I wish I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I also I hate to bring in, you know, how the sausage gets made to this, but you know, we take some notes. We take we're, we're professionals. We take some notes. And all my notes were this. Shut up. God, <laughs> shut up. Please, Jesus, shut up and also that's racist. Mm-hmm. LOL. <laughs> Awful. Awful. Now I know who wrote Fat Bastard's dialogue in Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. <laughs> Disgusting. Yeah. Those were all my notes. Ew, uh, ew, ew. Ew, ew, ew. my version of that last one. Yes. <laughs> uh, in conclusion, this novel uses the word bowels 14 times. It's about 300 pages. He, I, he- Okay, either he thinks that word just means inside you, or the dude wants yeah. to shit when he gets horny, and I can't figure yeah. out which it is. It would be too interesting if he had <laughs> to shit when he got horny. That's- the only, there's two parts inside of the human uh, thorax, which, thorax? But gut, gut basin, and yeah. it's the womb and the bowels. Those yeah, are the yeah. only two. Oh, yeah, yeah. He thinks he think womb means vulva. Like, there's no question yeah. about that. <laughs> well, yes. vagina, too. He thinks it means the whole, like, reproductive yeah. tract. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's all the same to him. Uh, it's like uh, it's like M&M's, you know, how they all taste the same. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. It's sort of like that. It's like the in same. In a way. Yeah, it's, it's totally the same. But it is really hard to gross me out so much that it ruins my life because <laughs> I'm disgusting myself. Uh, but congratulations, D.H. Lawrence. You did it. You magnificent florist of the loins, man who definitely knows what bowels and wombs are and do. Um, 
I also just want to throw in a little bonus content for the free podcast. So I don't know if you'll get into the plume serpent at all. Uh, three guesses what the serpent stands for. Unfortunately, <laughs> there's so much material. It's, I don't know. It's comedy goldmine. But I, I took a little jaunt into the plume serpent. And this was a Unwise. quote that I... I was very... I, I reversed right. I flipped it and reversed it right out of there. But here's a quote from it. You can just enjoy it. As it is, free of context. They might as well just sit and enjoy somebody else's diarrhea was the thought that passed through Kate's distracted but still Irish mind. <laughs> Literature. Do you think of yourself as frequently having a distracted but still Polish mind? Y- yes, I do. Yes. In my, in my potato head thoughts. <laughs> no, I mean, this, is, this book is doing old timey anti Celt stuff like all the time, or like oh, pro Celt. Yeah. Connie's dad is like, all right, Lassie, you need to get shagged good and proper. <laughs> like, it's like, you know, like, but, that, but that definitely is like typing something about his Scottishness, which it's like, what fucking. I mean, I get, okay, it's the 1920s, but it's still like, oh my God, you know. You yeah. gotta read the plume serpent for an anti. Well, it's sort of both pro Incan and anti it's very like blood and soil indigenous uh, oh I, I i can't believe that at all after this fascist <laughs> at least fascist adjacent jaunt that we went through but boy it's a boy, different boy. version but yeah. yeah it's wild yeah i simply don't know what to say um except for this except for this last thing so we have and we will criticize dh lawrence for his misunderstanding of science (laughs) but he did he was ahead of his time in one way and that was in understanding that women who don't use a special clock made by nasa to ensure that they orgasm at the same millisecond as a man does are demons (laughs) yep god yeah he knew yeah there's there's many 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 pages on that uh yeah, it's great. It, it was a bit Maybe. of a hobby, hobby horse of his. A bit of, his. yeah. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Megan has had us read so many great novels of the 1920s. Honestly, I don't have anything to add other than what you guys have already said. Um, but, like, that's been, you know, I, I didn't read much modernism in college, uh, and now I read really old stuff as a profession. So it, it's been cool to just learn more about that period and Mrs. Dalloway kicks ass and gentlemen prefer blondes. I'm 100% a Ulysses convert. Uh, even, even the great Gatsby was a fun discussion. Passing home to Harlem and the 42nd parallel recently. And they're all amazing. Like, yeah, I could do no, I four mean, billion more good books from the twenties. Yeah, I, I believe it. I I believe it. Um, and yeah, I'm down. You know, I, I've even admitted that Hemingway is my problematic fave. I have to say, I think Hemingway would he probably did meet D. H. Lawrence, uh, but would have been like, dude, you got some fucking issues, man. <laughs> you know? yeah, 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 oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you seem to have some hang-ups about about the dick and sex like that, you know. But yeah. or, or, you have a hang-up anyway, about yeah. dicks and Jews, Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> yeah. Hi, yeah. my name's Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, so I mean, I, I I appreciated this reminder that yes, there was also rank fucking garbage in the 1920s. Yes, there was. <laughs> I mean, and, oh yeah. In, in all honesty, I was excited to read this as one of those famous scandalous novels that everyone talks about, but has but I hadn't read. And, and I am extremely excited to dunk on it. 
I'll save most of my ammo for discussion, although I've already I've, I've already shot several rounds here, right? Um, there's there's an infinite number. Yeah, yeah, there are. You're not you're not going to run you're not going to run out of uh, of uh, rhetorical bullets here. But I just want to note two things here at the outset that I've been thinking about. One, listeners will have gathered this already from our discussion, but the, the sex, um, the stuff that got it banned, and I, I think even today still does have yokelish school boards and PTAs up in arms about about the, the I'm fucking. Sure. It is some of the boringest shit I have ever read. And oh yeah. I mean, like most of porn is boring if what is reading it as literature, right? Um, <laughs> right. But this, yeah. this is like a whole other level. Um, it, like, you know, churches are worried about this making readers hoardy. I mean, this, this is Megan. It's like a effective cold shower idea. Uh, <laughs> they, they should actually love this book because it, it puts you to sleep. It makes you never want to be horny again. Yeah. <laughs> I, I felt like I never needed Jesus more. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, as Good a copy. Yes, exactly. Um, and it's my second reason uh, for uh, you know what what I want to talk about as a commie, I was actually here for all the discussion of of co- uh, collieries and the English Midlands, like pre nationalization and, and labor strife and, and Bolshevism, which Lawrence with his fashy fash fash nonsense is very opposed mm. to, of course. And some of his descriptions there are actually compelling, but like this, you know, what Katie said about he gets you right up to a good point and then like, you know, takes it away from you. Here is the outline I came up with for the, like the book's political uh, claims. The proletariat are in bad straits because we don't fuck enough and we should fuck more. On the floor. On the floor. We Yes. But not with our skirts too short. The other, not, not harlot like the other good <laughs> kind but and we don't because money but we need money to live but we shouldn't think about money we should think about fucking instead and the catholics had it right but not in a god way right in a ritual way and sex and what the fuck are you talking about what what is he ever talking about <laughs> i i read i I, uh, I i cracked open the country of the city just because i was curious what what uh what awesome comrade uh raymond williams had to say and i'm making williams a little meter here that he actually is but he's basically like yeah lawrence is um interesting entirely incoherent and pretty dumb but interesting <laughs> you know? yeah well he certainly has things to say signed <laughs> raymond williams can you imagine if dh lawrence came up to you and went i have an idea <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh yeah. he also says stuff in um culture and society uh, about lawrence yeah yeah i was trying to think if, he, if there's anything marxism in literature but it's yeah anyway it's uh, yeah i mean it's like it's one of the, i mean raymond williams you know for being like such an incisive uh cultural critic is actually like pretty generous to the people he's talking about oh eagleton and, is way too nice to dh lawrence yeah and, but i mean like even through that I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to, I'm just here to talk about its interesting features. You can tell Raymond Williams is like, what the fuck? You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So today we are talking about the body and disability, class politics, just bad and worse, bad sex writing. Just even like the word bad has become completely unusable right now because this book is so awful. Residual and emergent forms of cultural production and industry and lots lots of things so to tell you what happens i have to preface the summary by demanding that our listeners dispense with all of their bolshevik notions of sex that isn't one cis man and one cis woman doing piv missionary style 
on the floor. Yep. And I can't stress enough how much you need a stopwatch to make sure everyone's coming at the same time. Yeah. Yes. So if ever I say sex, that's what it is. That's mm-hmm. just you know there are there are a lot of mustaches in this book, but mo- no mustache rides. <laughs> Lots of haunches, but no fun to be had with or between them. If at any point I just say, then sex happened, that there's only one kind. Like, don't don't let your imagination go to other fun places, okay? That's never going to happen here. If you are titillated for one second listening to this podcast, you're doing it all wrong. You're doing it all wrong. Yeah. Or we have introduced something that we didn't mean to. Sorry, but isn't there a moment when when Mellor's it, it, it talks about like he doesn't like ki- like kissing on the mouth, and he doesn't yeah. like kissing anywhere else either. He's Julia Roberts in fu- in fucking whatever that movie is, the Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman, yeah. He doesn't kiss on the mouth like uh, Pretty Woman. Yeah. It's just mechan. Well, I would say it's just mechanical, but no, because yeah. it has to be about consciousness. Yeah, I guess um, they're nuzzling a lot, which is gross. Yeah. There's some nuzzling. There's some people putting their head his head on her chest and then using her boobs as earmuffs. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, that ha- yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you like listeners probably like, oh huh, that's that's a you know, that's hyperbole. No, no, that happens. Nope, no, nope. that happens. Yeah. That's nope. <sighs> anyway, so we begin our little jaunt with the marriage of Constance and Clifford Chatterley. He is a baronet, and if you don't know what that is, just listen to last week's episode. And you'll, that's, we've already introduced the concept. And he is literally on the first page, injured in the war after they've been married for like six weeks. And he returns a paraplegic. And because this is the, the this book, um, that means that he can't have sex ever, ever, ever. Because <clears throat> that's what this book yep. thinks. Yeah, yep. there's there's only one kind of sex, and you already told us what it is, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> like, Don't think other things, listeners. No. Um, so he gets horny for writing, and Connie gets horny for D. She has a brief affair with this Irish writer that they know called Michaelis, but he has some weird sex ideas about the fact that she can bring herself to orgasm by thinking about it hard enough. You know, I had honestly blocked the Michaelis bits out of my mind. He's even hes even more, anno- everyone in this novel is more annoying than the last person that you met. Yes. 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 Uh-huh. The, the lover of the title is probably the least annoying, and he is still incredibly <laughs> annoying. Oh, he's so annoying. <laughs> I think Holy. he's the least annoying. Oh, he's annoying. I I don't even. I think the dog is the least annoying. That's true. The dog <laughs> the is chickens? Not annoying. The chickens. The chickens seem fine. Yeah, that's a fair. That's a fair point. It's also during this point of the book that Clifford he stays horny for writing, but he also gets horny for for uh, for coal mining. Yeah. 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 He, I'm, I'm not going to read a lot, but he has this moment of the, was the other he was talking about writing. Oh God, never mind. This is the this is where he talks about the bitch goddess of success. Oh, the uh, bitch goddess. Yes. We forgot about. The, <laughs> I, I, I'm just uh, while while you find the passage about coal mining, I will say the coal mining thing. There's a really there's a funny part where he's talking to some guy about his ideas for coal, and the guy's like, 
he's like, well, what if you squished it up real tight and made a special fuel that uh, you could you could you do use for infinity? And the guy's like, well, what engine would you use it in? And he's like, we well, I'd invent a new engine. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so um, I believe you called it the, in our text messages the Elizabeth Holmes of coal mining, Katie. Right? Yep, like, I stand like by that. What if in the future <laughs> have new kinds of oil out of coal? Power our dreams, Henry Kissinger. Give me money. I am not going to do a quote because I don't think I have the right one. But he's real. He is horny for books and coal mining. Those yeah. are those are what he's horny for. I we would get to these moments and like, of course, you know, I mean, copy co- co- dude here for the the industrial proletariat. No, it's like, yeah, I mean, this this weird like that the, the old uh, landed uh, aristocracy uh, also owns like the mineral rights, and so they're like becoming capitalists. And it's like, wow, okay, fascinating. Please do something right, smart with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nope, Ugh. can't do smart with nothing. And yeah, so so like plays and um and coal mining go together always. And he also at this moment hires a local woman as an aide, which the book thinks is infantilizing, even though it keeps talking about how hot he is <laughs> and how like, you know, broad shouldered and, and handsome faced and Lawrence has issues <laughs> with this ability. Oh my god. And and masculinity and gender and uh, body parts. Bring in Mr. Hemingway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to no. be like Bring take him back. down a notch. Yeah. 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 Can you get him again? Yeah. And I mean not it not like the you know, nineteen twenties didn't have a lot of bad ideas about disability. Not like there still aren't a lot of bad ideas about disability, totally. but even by the standards of the 1920s, it's like, this is really fucking weird. And like, yeah, the infantilizing it's so thing weird. is. Yeah. So it's, weird. Yeah. And there's, I actually looked it up. There's a, there's some material in disability studies on Lawrence. And, you know, the one of the, the conversations that people are having in disability studies is about how or when or whether to read disability meta- metaphorically. But this book very much takes his disability as every kind of metaphor for like dudes and also like national yeah craziest metaphors yeah yeah and i think yeah and i think that like the class too right that the aristocracy is not not what it was or is and and again i mean this is the metaphor not not in any way my claim but that it like weakened in some way but it doesn't even follow through on its own fucking metaphors either. No, you know, totally. So. No, it doesn't do a good. No. It's not very. It's not well written. <laughs> yes. It's a bad it's, book. Uh, yeah. Whack. It's so wacko, and it gets like halfway to decent so many times. I know it. It because he wants to have a thought. Yeah. But alas. But yeah. alas, his brain is not great. Anyway, so it's like right around this time that Connie meets the groundskeeper, Oliver Mellers, who has also been a soldier. And he has this certain je ne sais quoi sexiness, which obviously, I mean, a mustache. Um, <laughs> he's hello. Separ- hello. He has, he's separated from his wife, so that's convenient. He's also a real man or something. He wears cor- corduroys. <laughs> <laughs> you know. That's the quality. They start this, so they start fucking, and it's great because she doesn't have to think about coming to come. I, I, 
It happens at the same time. The same. <laughs> check your watch. <laughs> like magic. Yeah. You could set Big Ben by it. Yeah, absolutely. If Big Ben weren't a symbol of the bad and good things of Empire or whatever. Wait, and, and also, I'm sorry. I think, again, I have confused annoying people, but McAllis is really upset that she doesn't come at the same time that he does. And isn't one of like when Mellors talks about his uh, trials with his, his estranged wife, that he also that they don't come at the, that that's that's a big sticking point and shows how she yeah. only did what he calls, quote unquote, cold hearted fucking, which I'm I don't like what? Yeah, what are what? He, what? he literally <laughs> thinks that there are that that there are teeth inside of vaginas. Yes, yes, There's no, something yeah, sharp yeah. in there. Did, like somebody left. Like, oh, did you leave that? Where'd you leave that matchbook? Oh, let, let me look around up here. Katie, I swear <laughs> to God, you were talking about all of your notes, and my notes largely said the same thing. I swear to God, I did write vagina dentata once, like in the margins. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's Uh, not anyway uh so in the middle of the book things start to get weird and i don't mean the the plot which is like actually very not weird like it's quite easily summarized but but the book my friends does start getting pretty fucking weird like it's been weird it gets weirder and it's because it starts to like reflect on merry old england and Mm -hmm money and class and we love nature and the woods and the real people who are for the poors there's a page where some of us may have lost control of our narrative voice and says england my england but which is my england the stately homes of england make good photographs and create the illusion of a connection with the elizabethans the handsome old halls are here from the days of good Queen Anne and Tom Jones. Those are not good people. Have we reviewed what <laughs> Queen Anne was like? There's a movie. It's quite recent and it's excellent. And it's also it's also like Fieldy is scathing the critique of the squirearchy in Tom Jones. Yep. Like edit, yeah. I mean yeah, what Okay, he also loses control of his narrative voice at another moment where he says, novels, they're all humiliating, humiliating, <laughs> disgusting, <laughs> embarrassing. You should be ashamed. I'm like, I wish he brought in more of the humiliation play that clearly is part of the backdrop of this novel, but he will not let in. This novel is kinkless. Right? Except it's yeah, politics, which are so fucking kinky that your brain explodes. <laughs> Kink and sex, fine, good, like you know, great thing, whatever. Um, kink and politics, it maybe means not that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, that's it, it different. Sounds sounds fashy, my dude. Yeah, that that yeah, that quote is just so wild. Because I mean, one thing I was thinking when I'm reading that, like, one, he's misreading the 18th, 18th century literature. He. In that fucking like ridiculous like defense essay of this novel, wrote, oh my god, this Lady is like Jones. one of my. You ha- are we talking about Swift? Yes, he's like he's like oh like Jonathan Swift had so many hangups it deranged his brain hole. Uh, like he he, he in in the ladies' dressing room he he almost loses his mind because Celia shits and it's like John Swift. Okay, 
I'm sorry to my ninth grade English class here, I guess, that you're a student in D.H. Lawrence. Um, the speaker of the poem is not the same as the voice of the poem. The satiric target is Streffen, the lover in that, who is so bound up in like idealized ideas of what femininity is, that the reality of women's bodies completely destroys his worldview. That is the point under critique, it's you idiot. <laughs> Is this? Are we talking about the same guy who advocated for eating babies? Yeah, yes, right. Like, oh, d- uh, d- Jonathan Swift thought we should eat babies. Like, yeah, he also says that he calls Jane old. Uh, he calls Jane Austen like the old maid, or that like ruined English literature because she liked character rather yeah. than sex. And it's like, what is wrong with your head, man? <laughs> This guy doesn't like sex either. I got news no. for you. No. He does not like it. Like, even the most conservative nuts are like Jane Austen rules. No yeah, one yes. doesn't yeah. like Jane Austen. No, I know. So he, he's doing this, like, class critique, verging on class consciousness a bit, and, and just, like, how, how industry has, like, just polluted the Midlands and stuff. And, yeah, yeah, keep going with that, man. Yeah, it, and right. It, and instead he pulls back into, so let's all just go live in a John Constable painting. I mean, it, it is fash. It's taking, you know, upheavals of modernity and like a feeling of alienation of modernity and entirely misdiagnosing or, or just doing very bad faith uh, diagnosing about it and basically postulating this fucking bullshit, like affective sense of tradition as the totally. like solution to it. Well, he says further on that page... This is history. One England blots out another. The mines had made the halls wealthy. So far, I'm with you. Yes. Now they were blotting them out as they had already blotted out the cottages. Oh, okay. The industrial England blots out the agricultural England. Excuse me? One meaning blots out another. All right, now we're getting a little cuckoo pants. The new England blots out the old England, and the continuity is not organic but mechanical. Because to him, capital can only mean like grunginess. Yes. It can't yeah. possibly be that agricultural capital is also uh, bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's different. Yeah. No, that's, that's different. different. That is not exploitative at all. That's people cheerily fucking in the woods. Well, yes, and, right. He's a baby. He's a baby. So <laughs> he, he understands society. He he he's all like men or baby. You know that whole thing. He D. H. Lawrence, inventor of that. He is like baby's first class unconsciousness. Yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And and why I kept like thinking, you know, back to our, you know our our boy Raven Williams on this is uh, honestly like. Like, yeah, well, Williams, I have the whole idea of like stru- the structure of feeling, which is like, I mean, this, 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 uh, this, I mean, Megan, actually, this is, this is more in your, uh, like how, like how you think of Williams, I think, than, than some of the ways I do. But yeah, I mean, basically, like a set of uh, social communal practices, like a social affective kind of response and way of dealing with the world, which, like, for Williams can actually be a site of class struggle and burgeoning class consciousness. And for, right, I think, that it's profoundly historical, right? That, like, our yes. feeling, our sense of common feeling is not like a, it has a history. Right. And Lawrence takes that and makes it like wildly, like overtly ahistorical. You know, again, with the, the country, what you were just saying about the, the industrial, I'm sorry, about agricultural capitalism. Yeah. A point that Fielding makes all the time, and not that Fielding was anything like a radical writer, is that the Black Act that I've talked about, mm. the like making capital offenses out of, you know, poaching on a rich dude's land and just the fucking like terrifying coalescence of power in the cl- in the in the in the landlord class in in, in, mm-hmm. in in the countryside that's what you're fucking fetishizing right now you asshole yep. <laughs> you know like uh, yep 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 
Oh, no, that's God. way better because we don't have Bolsheviks there. He is just like, mm, I didn't like it at the factory. It was yicky there. Yeah. I I like it in the farm. There I were should, communists I, there. I should have had even know what he, I don't think he knows what a communist is, by the way. I don't no, think he, he knows. He probably no. Russian probably is what he thinks. And, uh, yeah, that's why he keeps saying know. Bolshevik because he doesn't yeah. actually like have a, he doesn't have any distinctiveness. He's just like, I heard that word at the club when some douchebag was like, Bolshevism, they killed the czar. Like, that's all he knows. He thinks socialism, communism, Bolshevism are like bad, worse, worser. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's all I he really should have had a gummy before we recorded this because like my blood pressure is going up and up and up. I'll do a, I'll put something through the camera. Put something through the put do it do a Star Trek. Um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, so when the book goes into its um makes its philosophical turns this is also when connie's boyfriend mellers starts to pick up a wild dialect accent yes and the book sort of behaves as though this is a version of code switching because he's like poor which makes him good but also he reads books he has this middle class affectation that that is like put on a bull and which is what Lawrence thinks a, the, a, a good dude is, which is like an autodidact because he doesn't have to go to stupid school where they teach you stupid yeah. stuff. Yeah. And like another way Me- Mellers could have been interesting, right, is that he had, you know, he, he was enlisted, but he had become an officer. And so like he is like class fluid in this way, which the, that's that dialect thing is trying to index, but it just goes wildly off the rails. So much in there about his relationship with his senior officer. Yes, that's interesting yes. class wise, and also character wise, or could be if he did anything with it. There were even suggestions of like queerness, or at the very yes, least, totally. homo- yes, homosociality, which in the hands of a writer who didn't suck, you could have done something with. You yep. couldn't imagine a version of sex that wasn't this like disgusting pseudo holy, like the blood phallus of consciousness or whatever. Mm, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't understand. <laughs> it's not for us, I guess. And this is also the point in the book. This might have made me the most upset where they name each other's genitals. Um <laughs> that's And this is when I was reading and Lady Jane a lot. And I was I, I was reading, I was alone in the house and I was like, ew, 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 ew. Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. I hate it so much. I hate it so much. They also put flowers in each other's pubes. And yeah. again, John Cleland would have been like, don't do that, bro. Yeah. John Cleland, who spent oh 50 pages of Fatty Hill describing pubes, would have uh thought <laughs> yeah, he was a connoisseur. He was he would have thought that was too much. A little over the top, yeah, yeah. Like, let, let's get the ghost of John Cleland, and D.H. Lawrence, and Hemingway together, and let them straighten each other out. Yes, <laughs> they, Cleland and Hemingway don't even need straightening out compared to D.H. Lawrence. <laughs> no, yeah, they are mentally healthy. They're fine individuals. I just, I also at all these instances, I just wonder. Does he know how do these pubes work? But I don't want to ask. I'm forced <laughs> totally. to ask these questions that I do not want to know the answers nope. to, nor do I want to have the wonderings of in my mind. No, you're right. The the mechanics of it are kind of mysterious, but then you're like, but I'd have to think about that. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> awful. 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 And then Connie takes a trip to Italy with her sister and her father, where she finds out that she's pregnant. And the notion of pregnancy in this book is also absolutely 
bonkerinos where like the 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 child is like making you it, it's the the worst version of what dumb people think Freud is doing when he's mm-hmm. like for the woman to have fulfilled the Oedipal complex she has to have like a boy baby and it's like well that's not quite what Freud said but also like I guess that's what D.H. Lawrence thinks yeah it's important that your bowels also be excited about your kid yes yeah the bowels <laughs> are also very excited about that yeah. you want your bowels to be excited about your boyfriend and your kid that's what excites the bowels the most yeah and not in the way that, like, pregnancy can actually affect that and make you gassy. No. Th- it's opposite day here today on it is. this podcast. Um, and the, But the only, like, well, there is interesting stuff all over this book that goes nowhere. And one of those things is that her husband Clifford would be fine with them having a kid as long as she was, quote, discreet about the bio dad, which is actually not all that interesting because he's like, I need an heir to be my baronet at and Yeah. Yeah. Be moneyed. And then meanwhile, and it's so infuriating that this is in exposition and not in scene that Meller's wife returns to their home because she like causes a giant ass ruckus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I really a, wish a I had row, seen it. Right? A row. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he breaks a window, climbs into their bed, and takes off all her clothes. And I was like, why is this broad not shown up earlier? Yeah. This would be the only time when I'd be like, someone's taking their clothes off. Something good might happen. <laughs> <laughs> and so he has to officially file divorce for divorce because apparently she came back to be weird. So she returns, Connie returns from Italy. She tells Clifford about the affair and her pregnancy. She asks him for a divorce, which he won't grant. And he says, I think he's because he's not inclined to. Like, it's a weird description. It, it's impl- they're both being pee pantses at each other. Oh, for sure. Because right. I what, don't want to, is yeah. his thing. And, and I don't, I don't actually know like the status of divorce laws at this specific moment. But like for the, the 19th century, you needed like a fucking active parliament uh-huh. to like to, uh, to get rid of a marriage. So it is very much like I don't feel like it. No, we shan't be doing that. You know. But well, they have to have a sufficiently good reason. Although adultery probably is a good reason, but then you need proof of yeah. it. Yes, that's right. Yeah, adult. Yes, adult adultery would actually do it. But yeah. My uh, reason is that people shouldn't be near each other if this book sure. is any indication of human relationships. Yeah. But at the end, Mellers is working on a farm because he can only do strong country fellow things. Connie smuggled away in Scotland with her sister, pregnant. And so it's open-ended. Like, maybe they'll get together. We don't know. Because D.H. Lawrence can't figure out a way to end his own fucking book. <laughs> and so at the end, she gets a letter from... Mellers who's like I can't wait to be in the room with your lady Jane again and I die so funny can you please read the end yes but you're going to it's going to kill me it's It's going to kill us all I hope that if my mother is listening she stops because this is the most disgusting thing I've ever read parents out parents out please don't (laughs) come back do the 30 second button a couple times yeah I'm going to do like a paragraph and then keep going. Well, so many words because I can't touch you. If I could sleep with my arms round you, the ink could stay in the bottle. We would be chased together just as we can fuck together. But we have to be separate for a while. And I suppose it is really the wiser way. If only one were sure. 
Never mind, never mind. We won't get worked up. We really trust in the little flame, in the unnamed god that shields it from being blown out. Oof. What are you talking about? He got his Yankee candle and he's writing a little letter. <laughs> There's so much of you here with me, really, that it's a pity you aren't all here. Never mind about Sir Clifford. If you don't hear anything from him, never mind. He can't really do anything to you. Wait, he will want to get rid of you at last to cast you out. And if he doesn't, we'll manage to keep clear of him. But he will. In the end, he will want to spew you out as the abominable thing. Now, okay. I can't even leave off writing to you. But a great deal of us is together, and we can but abide by it, and steer our courses to meet soon. John Thomas says goodnight to Lady Jane, a little droopingly, <laughs> but with a hopeful heart. Oh. I am fucking crawling out of my skin right now. I can't so believe disgusting. I had to like leave my body to do a disembodied voice of having read that. Like, like I am a hero. If if anyone has seen my soul, will you mail it back to me or something? <laughs> Please. I'm broken. Because I lost it. I'm a it. <laughs> broken woman. Ruined. Among the things that just drives me absolutely batshit about this book, in addition to the fash, not doing anything with the class politics that it raises other than fash shit, is... He is so convinced that he's like a fucking sexual revolutionary. Oh, I and know. Like, and oh, like everyone else in my generation are such fucking squares. Do you know James motherfucking Joyce? I think you probably do. You certainly have read him, right? For sure. He hates him. I mean, the fucking whole Bloomsbury group and shit like that. It's like, this is one of those Marcel like- Proust? There are so many, I mean, honestly, sexual radicals of the 1920s. And it's just like, this is like the most trite fucking bullshit. You know, I mean- this only could possibly look uh, at all open about sex, uh, but just just the most kind of repressed uh, idea, like idea of like what the 1920s were. I mean, yeah, it, but it's it's just this conceit of his own, like uh, fucking, you know, just how fucking cool and like not square of a duty is that just drives me absolutely crazy. There's you know? a version of this that wants to be Madame Bovary. Yes, and yes. But he's too busy being not like other girls. Yeah. Totally. He can't actually like, ever have characters right so like the only version of consciousness belongs to the novel itself and has to be as terrible as possible yeah so it's not yeah. like that trite or liberal thing about like he can't write women it's like no he can't he can't imagine people yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. This, yeah, no wonder he's so mad about like Austin doing character because that would actually like, what's that him, yeah imagine yeah. like another person in the world yeah that's not just like a walking erection. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. It's not a John Thomas. No. <laughs> this context, okay, context could be 30 years. So I'm going to try and keep this to like three things. I want to hear it all. I wish I could tell you it all. <laughs> um, because I, th so the first thing is like everyone knows this book was banned everywhere for the sexy parts and not because it is so badly written that it makes your genitals turn to dust and your yeah. eyeballs fall out of your head. Yeah. Yeah. That is what happened. It was published. Pri it was privately published by Lawrence in two editions in 1928. The first run is 2000 and then the second is 200. I can only imagine that those books are worth, you know, 30 grand. Could have kept it private. Forever. Yeah, we could have kept it private. Didn't need I it. Think. That would have been fine. 
That could have been special for friends and family. I agree. I think it yeah, it could have been I get it. I get it. It 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 actually it was banned because of genitals dried up and eyeballs falling out because as we've no you know, Jesus, World War One, twenty million people had just died. If this gets out in the world, there will no one will ever have sex and have oh, babies ever again. Children of men. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's true <laughs> um so that expurgated versions were published in the 1930s in the u.s and britain couldn't have we read one of those <laughs> yeah we well i don't think they actually do that anymore for these books i want one of those i want that book please um uh, and they were, you know, banned because it has bad class politics. JK, because penises. <laughs> it has wieners in it. Yeah. Ugh. Um, but the really famous trial is in 1960 when it's prosecuted under the 1959 Obscene Publications Act. This is in, in Britain. <laughs> Both Richard Hogart and Raymond Williams of the Birmingham School mm-hmm. testified on the publisher's behalf penguin lol and eventually the jury returned a not guilty verdict um, guilty <laughs> right there's only a guilt there's only guilty guilt yeah. to be had here yeah. and not objection your line. honor but i mean in all in all honesty i do get why like someone like raymond williams would testify because you know i mean yes like obvious yes ob- obscenity laws are bad okay yes, yes, fine. yes fine fine yeah no 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 i that is get true. it obscenity laws are empirically wrong but this book though i know it's like it's what yeah it's it's like it really is one of those like well if you know if if we don't protect the worst among us you know what i mean uh, yeah yeah. this is really there is a bit of that like it's the uh, i broke immediately yeah yeah like like sure everyone believes in habeas uh, corpus but yeah we got to fight like the like the most like the vilest criminal to make the case for right (laughs) you know this is just just disgusting and then and then it was also uh the ban on the book was overturned in the u.s in 1959 and all in sundry you got to read this absolute fucking trash and oh wait no the book is only like 5k like the first one the the number 107 of a thousand signed by lawrence that is 5k more than i would pay oh it's (laughs) four hundred thousand nine hundred ninety six more than i would pay (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, that's oh wait five thousand great british pounds whatever uh (laughs) doesn't matter it's still less than i thought so they all got to read it but happily we do, I will say for this episode, have some of our greatest critical cameos, including by now the queen of all criticism, Susan Sontag, who said in 1961 that the reason liberals made such a stink about unbanning this book was because it is sexually reactionary <laughs> and that the importance yep. given to vindicating it showed that the U.S. was, quote, plainly at a very elementary <laughs> stage of sexual maturity. <laughs> why she's the queen i like again we really invited some big minds today and then the second important thing about this is that we as we've mentioned dh lawrence is a fascist nut like just an (laughs) absolute psycho one of our favorite and favorite of every true hearted leftist 
expressions is liberty, equality, and fraternity. And he called that expression the three-fanged serpent. (laughs) (laughs) Which I just imagine is like the phallus dentata, dentata Uh, or whatever. Yeah. Look at those three words and get mad. What? What? Why is that possible? Brotherhood. It has to be a a penis with teeth. It's scary. Um, he also thought that the greatest form of government was this is this is him quote an absolute dictator and equivalent dictatrix to lord over the lower peoples. Okay, he did have a little kink. His yeah. head, there's but a it's political machine. kink. It's yeah. not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah, yeah. Look at you keep that in the bedroom and great. More power to you. You bring it into politics and you're a fascist. You know? Right. Get a lady and a man to do dictatrix stuff to you yeah. in the bedroom. And sounds that's awesome. Just go you just live your life, sir. Yeah, but absolutely. that is not a form of government. No, that's your I, deal. That's that's your deal, man. That's the whole <laughs> this the whole book. This is you. I would expect better from someone who like grew up within the the coal mining family in the middle, you know, it's like, which again, I mean, Hey, that doesn't, you know, you know, you plenty of people can be fucking terrible class traders, you know, let's go Brandon. Yeah. Oh God. (laughs) He just, he just, how did he, my question is how did he, remain coherent enough to be fash like how did he well he kind of didn't (laughs) you know like no i I am sticking to his fashiest fash but he also had some ideas that women for example should have the vote oh so nice what a guy i mean that that is an interesting vote for the dictator what is wrong (laughs) (laughs) no even voting But I actually do think you're on to something there, which is that, like, fascism is an overtly irrational politics. That's true. It is. Partially, I mean, a big thing, just because it's it's stupid, right? But there's also, like, an absolute resistance to, like, anything like irrational. Because you're not doing that. You're, like, positing a bunch of, like, bullshit, like, narratives about tradition and the nation and stuff. like. You're not making any fact claim in the world. The, The idea that you should have some sort of coherent analysis is just not part of the fascist vocabulary, you know. But. Right, because it can't be. Yeah. Other things he hated included Freud and leftism and labor organizing, which are three of the finest things. <laughs> Dude, organizing yeah. is bad because it's people power, right? Like that's bad because people are what? dumb. But why is that? Uh, why do I ask these questions about this dumb man? <laughs> I I looked up it's on the you know I this is a tangent but I looked up his like so his wife's uh, family name was von Richthofen and I'm like as in Ma- as in Manfred von Richthofen <laughs> the fucking Red Baron and yes he's a fucking cousin of Lawrence's whoa <laughs> holy shit yes no yeah. one so- thing after another isn't there wow. Uh. Oh, it needed a moment for that. Um, I like it not. <laughs> I like it not. Uh, so those are the things he hated. He liked bucolic shit and blood and soil philosophies. That is not surprising. He's what? Oh, God. He's like midsummer fucking. Yeah. Only uh, not good. The, yeah. <laughs> he's the ver- he's the version of it that's fash. Oh, my, yeah. He's he's like he's he's just wicker man. 
totally. just the wicker man. <laughs> He's just like weird wi- pagan, you know, like r- runes and shit. <sighs> so, you know, he also has weird, interesting biographical stuff. Like he lived in Taos, New Mexico, where he owned a ranch because that's what men do. And what did what did he do on that? I mean, he wrote. I assume he wrote the the plumed serpent so he could be around Indian people. Yeah, I mean, Taos is lovely i feel very sorry for anyone who lived there during this time (laughs) it was a weird place too because it was also like a big location for anthropologists so a lot of Mm. people a lot of like white weirdos were there because of the because of the pueblo yeah yeah that's a different episode about ella cara deloria and franz boaz which i also know a lot about i know nothing about lawrence actually now i know far too much (laughs) <laughs> wish i did but we do have a time for another cameo by extremely fa- this person is alive english literary critic who wrote such correct books as why marx was right uh <laughs> terry eagleton but he has some <laughs> the british man he has some unexpected fondness for lawrence who he claims is like a metaphysical novelist like thomas mon or dostoevsky he can have that when i if he want. He could. That's so. He can say it if he wants he's to. He's not. I mean, he's not like wrong. Yeah, I love metaphysical. I guess I love. Terry I like Dostoevsky. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, I just. I like. I love Terry Eagleton, and we're all entitled to bad opinions, you know. Yeah. <laughs> he also says some incredibly funny things in the chapter thing of the English novel about D.H. Lawrence. But I think like the point of that is more like, well, he's just not really in the category of the English novelist mm. because the metaphysical novelist is like, that's as far from Jane Austen as you can get. And I don't, I mean that in a nice way. <laughs> not that she doesn't have like thoughts. She clearly does, but that's, yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. And he he says that Lawrence's writing is embarrassingly breathless solemnity, <laughs> which is everything I think yeah. and more. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. He says that some of the scenes there's this there's a scene in like I think the rainbow that's a sex scene, and Eagleton says she sounds more like an electrician than an eroticist. <laughs> it's like so funny. And then he also has some like sort of annoying but interesting if I'm trying to let my brain relax gummily about how a particular stripe of like quote radical right-wing shitheads represent the moment. So he says Conrad, Elliot, Pound, Yates, Lewis, and Lawrence were all right-wingers, but they were radical right-wingers with little sympathy for the values of liberal suburban industrial capitalist England. The anxieties which bred so much hatred in them, along with such a destabilizing desire for stability, also helped to breed an art finely sensitive to some of the key problems of their age. Um, I think that's sort of true, but does it make them good? Yeah. No, I I think it, I mean, I'm struggling because I'm thinking about them as evil spice girls, kind of. Right, right, right. (laughs) Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as As a group together. The, to to stop dunking to me, I mean, you guys, please feel free, continue, and I'm <laughs> going to start again in a second. The compelling parts of this novel did were the ones to me that started doing class critique and class consciousness. 
I mean, we've all made versions at this point. At this point, he says some things that aren't stupid, that are actually like very generative on the way to a point that could be sure. great. Yes, I agree. And like, so for example, so the whole like that Lawrence loved dictators. Not the fucking in the woods thing. First of all, we talked, I think we talked about this maybe on the Awakening episodes, like outdoor fuck. It's like, you got to, there's like dirt and twigs and stuff yeah, you that got, you got to think about, man. Yeah. Right? You got <laughs> but, a caterpillar in your butt before you Not if it. you're a real man. <laughs> but no, it's, it's just, it that's is. That's a it book is, that's affectively horny. That is yeah. the sine qua non of affective atmospheric horniness. It is. That one makes pastries so horny. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, and it, yeah, but but like elite and and Susan, Susan Sontag with the sectional sexually reactionary uh, comment, absolutely. But like, so Clifford, right? You know, he he. It's it's interesting to me that he loved dictators because he makes Clifford, who is kind of the villain of the novel. He says these things about like the proletariat, like in your sense of the word. He's talking. He's he and he and Connie are having this this debate uh in your sense of the word they are not men they are animals you don't understand and never could don't thrust your illusions on the people the masses were always the same and will always be the same nero slaves were extremely little different from our colliers or the ford motor car workmen uh i mean nero's mind slaves and his field slaves it is the masses they are the unchangeable an individual may emerge from the masses but the emergence doesn't alter the mass um he also says that we we need whips like not swords i believe at some point yeah yeah but so to what degree can we impose the ahistorical on a moment that's making him freak the fuck out right and, and so and like another sorry just one more thing about like what clever's saying there you know one just i mean he he's articulated this like extremely despotic fucked up class but which is like yeah i mean the, okay this is grounds for like for for marxist uh uh revolution frankly uh you know to, to like get rid of this asshole but then he says it's typed as a, a an emphatically capitalist and not like aristocratic viewpoint because on the next page he says i don't he's basically saying i could adopt any kid and i you know he doesn't matter where he came from like he'll mm-hmm. be an aristocrat i don't care who his father may be so long as he's a healthy man not below normal intelligence give me the child of any healthy normally intelligent man i mean it's a, it, more, more than a little eugenics here right but and i will make a perfectly competent chatterly of him it is not who begets us that matters but where fate places us place any child among the ruling classes and he will grow up to his own extent a ruler put kings and duke's children among the masses and there'll be little plebeians mass products it is the overwhelming pressure of environment so the eugenics is which i don't think we can fully put aside of the like normal intelligence or whatever his theory of class is very much of the class structure itself yes, and not yes. like an not like an older like kind of aristocratic idea of like the blood is what confers like your no. position and no. so again okay so we have like this fucking horrible despotic viewpoint that is like a specifically modern and 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 capitalist viewpoint but then like rather than following that to the correct path of class revolution um, mm-hmm. we instead go like oh the the country is state of tom jones and squirearchy <laughs> and like okay but anyway so well- Here's here's what I don't get. Yeah. Why does Clifford have this opinion? Yeah. Right. That's a yeah. good question. Yeah. Because it's as if he knows that's the evil guy opinion, even though it's his opinion, and he yeah. can't help it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. So the, it's just because it's this thing, Tristan, that you said that's like, we need money because we got to like not think about money. So yeah. it's like, well, let's just put in the place the structure of keeping this money going. Yes. 
Yeah. And, and well, I think part of it too is that he displaces the question of like blood onto this absolutely psychotic sexual quote politics yes. that he's yeah. advocating for. No, totally, totally. And sorry, just to, to finish um, why I introduced that passage right there. I did go back to what Eagleton was saying. I do think that like there are a lot of acute observations about class structures and the, the transformation of specifically the English Midlands under this new mode of production that mm-hmm. the, the novel does a really good job with. It's just the conclusions that it draws from that are insane. Right. The critique of industrial capitalism, like just that sentence is, I think we're all like, hell yeah, like we're on board for that. Like no, nobody around these parts is like, really? No. Yeah. And the rejection of like any kind of noblesse oblige. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What is, I don't, there's, there's nothing to look for here, right? This isn't, we're not figuring this out no matter how long we sit here. Right. Is that we're looking and the best we could do is this variance on pastiche that are just like, well, he thinks this thing, and he thinks this thing, and he he made a book, and the worst sex ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's just, like, okay, so I don't want to read that passage again, because it made me want to cry, but I do think we have to talk about, like, the worst sex writing that ever has been put to the page. Yes. Yes, we do. And I just need to read a piece of the apropos of Lady Chatterley's Lover, because it's so upsetting that (laughs) I, this is, this might be worse. He's saying the critics don't like that I like sex and that's dumb on their part because we have no hope of the regeneration of England from when he says such sort of sex, he means like bloodless sex. At the same time, I cannot see any hope of regeneration for a sexless England. An England that has lost its sex seems to me nothing to feel very hopeful about. And nobody feels very hopeful about it, though I may have been a fool for insisting on sex where the current sort of sex is just what I don't mean and don't want. Still, I can't go back on it all and believe in the regeneration of England by pure sexlessness. A sexless England doesn't ring very hopeful to me. And the other, the warm blood sex that establishes the living and revitalizing connection between man and woman. How are we to get that back? I don't know. Yet get it back we must, or the younger ones must, or we are all lost. For the bridge to the future is the phallus, and there's the end of it, but not the poor, nervous, counterfeit phallus of modern nervous love. Not that. For the new impulse to life will never come without blood contact, the true positive blood contact, not the nervous negative reaction, and the essential blood contact is between man and woman, always has been so, always will be did anybody else catch a whiff of david brooks <laughs> yes oh! <laughs> nope. leaving david brooks aside please let's <laughs> forever do that. okay so the sex he's talking about right this bloody blood <laughs> this bloodbath <laughs> and correct me if i'm wrong it's just a dude on top of a lady yeah. yep thrusting and that's but- it Everything that's supposed to be sex to him happens in your brain. So, in fact, he doesn't like sex. He no. likes thinking about... Uh, boring of the race. 
No, right? that's what I was going to say. It is like, it's fash at so many fucking levels. Like, first is this like, yeah, I mean, again, like here we are in this like eugenics, like blood contact kind of stuff. But there, it's this also like fetishization of what he's thinking of as pagan. I'm almost hearing a fascist reader of Nietzsche with the like Dionysus stuff. Please, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I am not attributing like what I'm saying to, to to Nietzsche. I'm attributing to like the way Nietzsche was used by a certain strain right, of like by fascists. Yeah, like that. That like, oh, if only we can get back to that. That like Dionysian sort of like paganness, which is the authentic. Like before, like the modern world corrupted everything. I mean, so like I'm hearing, I'm hearing like like the fucking like management of the blood fascist fixation. I'm hearing the like the fetishization of this like this idea of like the pagan past as part part of it this this is just out and out fash it is i mean this is fascist as fuck um the phallus is the way to the future is like the most banana sentence i i i can't even get and then the poor nervous counterfeit phallus of modern nervous love and i'm like either you mean like sex where people are thinking about like oh this is fun or dildos which is also like fun i don't like what's the fake what's the fake thing he's talking about i don't land right like i mean that's <laughs> no but i mean that but like the, again another fascist it's the it's the the like fertility like of the phallus oh, like as yeah. part of the nation like central like i mean again and again i'm not you know i i don't know nearly enough about lawrence to map directly onto any specific fascist movement of the time but i'm just hearing a lot of things that fascist movements of the time drew on that it's like it's there are very clear logical pathways to to that you know yeah it's almost the fashion of like crowley yeah oh yeah that's mm. weird yeah i'm making weird joints i know that i am but it does seem this weird like it's like no. magic-y yeah yes yeah it's ancillary to the point but at the same time it is the whole thing yes well and to sort of maybe put a period that on how we like reconcile those moments where it's like, hey, wait, there's actually like some class analysis. I mean, again, another thing that fascist movements have loved doing or just like kind of fa- like fascist thinking is, you know, it'll it'll fix on like some actual like kind of alienation in the world or like some uh, like objectively, uh, you know, like traumatic set of, of uh, like material circumstances or, you know, like post-war or something like that. And so like it will like ape at ag- uh, the language of class consciousness but flip it into this like hyper fucking reactionary claim about like the nation and tradition and purity of the blood and shit like that the thing is it's confusing it's it's legitimately confusing how you get from point a to point whatever the hell no of course yeah for sure Uh, um breathless yeah so we also wanted to talk about disability a little bit. Should we? Should we? Do yeah, that? I do. I mean, like I, the thing about disability is that I want to sort of note the, at least for me, like that I definitely don't have a an expert knowledge about this at all. I just like when I read it, I felt like there has to be stuff here because it's not just like a fucked up version of disability. That's like, oh, this is this is ableist or it's highly complicated. There are some recent books by people like Sharon Snyder and Marin Linnett and articles by Valerie Pop that are about Lawrence and disability or about modernism and disability. And that go out of their way not to not to just make it into a like post immediate post-war prosthesis anxiety. But this mm-hmm. book is fucking weird. 
because it does make him into the like butch dude in some way right he's like broad-shouldered and sexy although there is that like i think kind of upsetting scene where he gets the wheelchair stuck that was yeah for sure and mellers and connie have to help push him yeah and that that scene is interesting also because it reveals Mellers is still injured or still suffers from his after effects of pneumonia. pneumonia. So Connie has to push too, and she never knew it was so. You know, it's a like a lot going on. Yeah, and I sh- should have read more closely about the sort of specificities of his wheelchair design because i think that might be an interesting thing to think about too right because like we know that the technology of physical aids and wheelchair use has changed a lot in the first half Mm -hmm. of the 20th century because there were just more wheelchair users and it because it seems to be like fairly well designed and i'm sure that that's like class related and it has it has an engine like i mean it's 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 industrial it is it is among other things a piece of industrial machinery yeah and i mean this is what you're getting at but expensive as hell yes oh for sure yeah yeah so he he does get to be out and about his becoming and i very much put this in quotation marks an invalid is something that the book is tracking because Mm -hmm. he's like certainly not when they're first married and he's like of course now he has to pick up this like what I shall be as a writer and I have instant success because I'm a rich guy and I know people and so I'll be a writer. And then as the book continues and he has this aid, he begins to be, the book decides that he's more and more infantilized. Well, okay. So this is interesting because you see it through Clifford most clearly, but I don't know how to connect the infantilization with anything about his disability, really. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, what I connected to is the soft underbelly of all men, you know, yeah. because there's because no, I can't grab onto anything. Yeah. Well, and the the nurse slash servant to Mrs. Bolton, right? She's uh, like she's interested because like her husband like was killed in the coal mines. Like he and he so he basically if he didn't work directly for like the Chatterleys, he worked for kind of their class. And she has like a lot of sort of like resentment uh, about that. But then so she like then steps steps in as the as yeah like his kind of nurse. But then it's like through his relationship to her that this like invandalization happens, which there's there's all kinds of like re work of like kind of power relations that are happening that I don't quite think I have a handle on. And I'm not sure the book has a handle on what it's doing with that. Right. Because we I keep wanting it to be a thing that it's not going to be right. So it's like, I want him to that that he does have this like sexual charge with this woman who is his aide. And so I'm like, oh, so is it trying to have a thought about like class, the crossings of class and like, sexualized relationships because mellers also works for them but like no because it can't it can't like bring that to a thought it can't Mm -hmm. even be ableist because it can't because it because it's like good in the book's logic that he doesn't give a shit about the biological child but that it's bad late in the book right well that part is like dog shit version of remains of the day like she's his butler sort of yeah i agree Mm-hmm. that's the closest thing and that's i don't got it's so confused all of it's 
confusing to me because it feels like their relationship is for these for these reasons that are very much of the moment, like this the the war, all of this stuff, and it's also this throwback thing, and it's also about it's also there is that erotic charge, but also there isn't because uh, on her part she is still in love with her husband who's dead. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. When I first started reading this, I, I really did not know. I mean, all I knew was like, ooh, the, the dirty book that was banned. Right. Um, there are dirty oh, bits in it. She has an affair. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was wondering, and again, not not at all to like sort of like inflate like, you know, kinds of injuries, which are quite different and, and things like that. But I was, I mean, I mean, like just thinking post-war and like knowing how central like kind of like sex was to like what the novel thinks it's doing. I was like thinking back to like The Sun Also Rises and like Jake Barnes and his sort of and just as like uh you know uh, you know men who had like served uh in, in the war and had uh, you know over the army and came home with various like physical consequences of that but okay i mean maybe and and, and then also like the kind of class like some some kind of that it's it's imagine it, it thinks it's interesting in some way to like imagine like a, a member of the aristocracy who has this specific disability but i just feel like what it signifies like kind of moves all over the map in the book and like yes. so so for instance yeah. like first we're like well he could never have sex again because yes it's only like missionary piv uh you know that's that's the only thing you can imagine but then later in the book it's like oh but maybe he could have a child but then like we go from that into these claims about further and further infantilization which i i mean i don't know it's like i mean i kind of feel like i'm just we're saying that it's just incoherent but i kind of isn't that what it is right yeah yeah i mean and then and it does like say these things that are not wild like that connie's having a hard time with this because she can't lift him and i'm like there's no way i could lift a 200 pound person you know like that seems fine that like he needs another aid that's not but I don't know what Lawrence thinks. Yeah. Well, it's also he. She doesn't come in because Connie can't. It's because it's making her. It's because it's making her miserable. Right. But that's not even that weird. Like it's hard to take care of a, another person. No, all of that is true and could be done interestingly. But in this, it's just uh, everyone remarks about how skinny Connie is now. Oh, right. Because she's well, and then she's not getting dicked down good enough which makes her like bodily makes her makes her all gray and then like when she gets pregnant she's like all pretty yeah because she has the the seed of of the seed of the working class in her bowels (laughs) bowels i don't know if that's exactly what he says but i am pretty sure it's close to that yeah, it's in her bowels. So, I mean, I, like one quick, like we we mentioned Meller's pneumonia, right? Or like what his lung ailment that won't go away. Does the novel think it's comparing or conflating at all, like Clifford's disability and that that they're? I mean, I think those are they're both related to the war, aren't they? Like they're mm-hmm. both. And, but that there's something about, I don't know, like Mellor's like carries on in some sort of way, even though he does have that, he has this like, at least signaling that there's some, there's, there's some sort of ailment that he's, that he's, he's going to have to deal with that does appear threatening in moments. Like, I mean, there were definitely pay, uh, chapters in this book where I thought he it was going to, he was going to die basically. Like, Oh, the, for sure. Yeah. I thought so too. But he doesn't, he like lives on in a way that like, that, that is set up as a possibility for, for Clifford, but then instead it like pulls him more and more into this kind of like dependency sort of orbit like the novel or something i don't know like his class position or something like that does i i just i don't i don't know 
this is all I have to say. We have a novel here where, where somebody coughs blood into a handkerchief and doesn't die. <laughs> That's not how yes. novels work. Not exactly. Not no. Not not for the last three hundred years for sure. I mean, I've read a lot of novels that doesn't happen that way. Yeah, if you're yeah. coughing blood, you're that's you're it. dead. Yeah, that is like uh, somebody has certainly said it's Chekhov's handkerchief. Like yeah. <laughs> for sure. I I know we have to move on, but I do want to say, but I mean, I think that part of it is that all this has to do with Lawrence's obsessions and that he can't get his obsessions to be interesting or like to communicate to a reader in any way. Right. So he's obsessed with like, and I put this in quotes, like problem bodies, like bodies that would not be in alignment with their social position. And then he's like, fuck it. I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. And and that, and, and to deal and to do that in any sort of like compelling and kind of, you know, not, not shitty way, you would actually have to be cognizant of other people in the world in a way that this just resolutely refuses to be, you know? Yes. Yes. I also, instead of reading this, read Madame Bovary and read John Cleland, but also like read the Forster novel Morris, which is almost certainly influential on this because it's about a bourgeois, he's not bourgeois, he's like an aristocratic guy who has an affair with a groundskeeper. But they like run away together and it has a happy ending. And so it wasn't published until 1971. Read that instead. That sounds nice. It it is like it's class politics are obviously weird. But like you could also there's a movie and it has (laughs) Rupert Graves in it. And he's so handsome that you bump into the furniture after you watch it. It is a very horny movie. (laughs) Incredibly hot. Um, And... You know, we all need we all need less D.H. Lawrence in our lives. No matter how yes. little D.H. Lawrence you have, you need less. You do. Yeah. Well, it, it it has been a pleasure dunking on this fascist piece of shit book with you guys. Yes. I mean, I really, I really appreciate what you said, Tristan, which is that we need to be reminded that the 1920s did not just contain. <laughs> Good yeah. books. Yeah. 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 Was it like fucking God with the Wind written in the 1920s? I think it was <laughs> written in the 30s, but I could be wrong. Uh, yeah. So TLDR, there's shit out there. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's some shit out there. Yeah. It's not good. Uh, 1936 is Gone with the Wind. Yeah, I was like, sure, that was the 1930s because the way that it was marketed as a movie. Uh, yeah, right. right. Um, I think there's all kinds of adaptations of this, too. I assume they don't. Uh, I don't want to know. I don't want to know what they yeah. do. No, don't care. Don't know. Don't care. I'm going to watch. Not going to watch. Don't read The Plumed Serpent. Nope. It makes uh, your nope. head blow up. You're, you're no more Irish thoughts in your Irish <laughs> mind. Well, if you hated this book but didn't hate it because it wasn't racist enough. Yeah. That's they're something. way more racist. Folks that are not just mad at the Irish or like random, incredibly anti-Semitic sentences. Uh, you know, it's good to, well, it's good to be reminded for me at least, because my thing is religious nuts. That there are other kind of nuts. Yeah. <laughs> they are not just religious wild. nuts. Yeah. It's really mixed nuts. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you have a game? I can't wait. I mean, please don't I make guess. me say lady jane again i'm like no you never have to to you never have to Uh, (laughs) 
I thought that we would all be exhausted, uh, emotionally strained, and really just damaged by the time we got to the game. So I thought just to kind of throw My back am. style, just musings and ponderings and, and little would you rathers. Okay. That, yeah, I can okay. do that. It's just like ancient and modern grossness is one way to think of it. Mm. And so I like it. we're doing a kind of an existential would you rather. Just like, would you rather this exist? Okay. Okay. The metaphysical so, novel? No, I would rather it didn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Jane Austen or D.H. Lawrence? <laughs> right. Don't even ask. That question should never have been posed. No. Wow. But here we go. Here we go. Here it is. Ready? D.H. Lawrence's scene running around naked in the rain or imagine uh, a scene of doing the Mayor Pete dance in the rain. <laughs> naked. <laughs> I got a hand. <laughs> Just naked. Uh, oh, man. Oh, fuck. This is hard. That's what D.H. Lawrence said. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a. Yeah, I'm surprised we got through this whole episode without a. That's what that's what D. H. Lawrence said. Yeah, that's what D. H. Lawrence said. Oh man, oh fuck! I don't know that. You go, Megan. Uh, I'm. I am also kind of speechless, and I can't believe I'm going to say this. That I would rather D. H. Lawrence because I will never pick Mayor Pete in any. Would I rather? Under any circumstances, like yeah. the actual damage that has done to my consciousness is great is greater than the damage that D.H. Lawrence has wrecked upon my consciousness. Well, and here's the thing. D.H. Lawrence is long dead. Yeah, he's dead. So he's been dead. This is, you know, this is pure, uh, just horrible, like, you know, fantasy land speculation, whereas uh, the Mayor Pete dance is still an active curse on our politics. So, yeah, I'm with you. I also think that, like, the problem of running around naked in the woods isn't the problem of the running or the naked or the woods. It's the Lawrence version of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Whereas yeah, exactly. doing the dance, it's the dance. Yeah, it's the it, yeah the dance. Yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, it stands for something. Okay, we've got a consensus. So here's another would you rather: uh, D.H. Lawrence arranging flowers and pubes. Or no. those butterfly hair clips from the nineties, thin pubes. <laughs> I, I mean, the latter sounds much more physically painful. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. I mean, sh- flowers can be sharp. That's true. Yeah, that's true. They have thorns. Also, they. I mean, yeah. they can they can cause allergic reactions and stuff. Oh, that's true. Uh, there's something to do the flower thing. It's just, it's, it's so upsetting. I'll take the hair clips. <laughs> I'm actually going to go with the flowers because to me, a person could do a very funny midsummer parody of your pubes with the flower crown. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. True. All right. We're all winners here. Okay. Here we go. Would you rather watch or would you rather read my pilot script for a one-hour network drama about a woman who is able to solve crimes because her bowels are an empath. (laughs) (laughs) Or reading one hour of D.H. Lawrence's musings on bowels, and I'll give you some of them right now. Uh, She 
watched his face and the passion for him moved in her bowels. <laughs> Another self was alive in her, burning molten and soft in her womb and bowels, and with this self, she adored him. In her womb and bowels, she was flowing and alive now and vulnerable and helpless in adoration of him as the most naive woman. Please give me that. Oh, her her limbs are or her limbs are turning to lava again. Her limbs turned molten. She realized the immense difference between having a child to oneself and having a child to a, to a man whom one's bowels yearned toward. Get, the pilot script actually sounds like it could be uh, like hilarious. Uh, you know the. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean that. There's it, really I mean, no it, doubt that that's yeah. the correct answer. I just the 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 womb bowels. What mm-hmm. does he think a uterus does? Yeah, there's. A- uh, oh, I'll tell you actually. It, what it does, womb and bowels, is same thing. It, it sings the voiceless song of adoration. Holy shit! Does it now? The voiceless song of farts. The farts I mean, of adoration. I I will I mean this this will this will preoccupy me for the rest of my life because it's unanswerable. When he wrote that, did he think I got butterflies in my stomach because I was having such feelings, or I needed to shit because I got horny? And I don't think we will ever. And it's just like I we'll mean, we'll never know. We'll never know. But it's just I mean, the possibilities are so so vastly divergent there, um, and both equally stupid. You know, that it's like. But. Just think uh, of somebody being like, "Oh man, I have such a crush on this woman; it makes me want to poop." I mean, that you know, I'm surprised. Yeah, surprised you didn't do a, like one of the uh, when we did the like the the, the PUA pickup lines, uh, Katie, because that because that's that sounds like a great one. Wow, <laughs> like, you're, you're so hot, you make me want to shit. That's a the good one. The weird one. I mean, you know what? I'm sure there is someone on Twitter.com DMing some poor person right now that line. Exactly so, that line. Yeah. 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 We have and put they it out it. into the universe. Yeah. I mean, the th- I would feel worse about that, except I'm sure it already, unfortunately, exists in the universe. So, yeah. yeah. Well, okay. it's obviously the show, which please write that pilot script because that sounds yeah. hysterical. Yeah. Intestines Detective coming to CBS. Okay, here's the last one. Would you rather hear. The way they used to treat gonorrhea on old boats and ships and such. Uh-oh. Or Mercury, I assume. <laughs> in, in in the, the urethra, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah just inject right. inject heavy metals into the urethra. That's what that's how you do it, yeah. <laughs> so good. See, we for already you. knew the answer to that one. Good for us. Yeah. Okay, Mercury <laughs> into the pee hole. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or DH Lawrence's musings on testicles. Oh no. <laughs> You can kind of juggle them in his in his view. I don't know. All right, Doc, we gotta we gotta get this done. <laughs> yeah. What would I rather hear about Mercury because it involves sailors? I mean, yeah. So you know, like I like all medicine. Sometimes you just gotta grit your teeth, you know, and <laughs> it's better. Yeah, than just, just well, we don't have to think about what we'd rather do. About. We have to think about what we'd rather hear about. Yeah, yeah, right, Kate. Is that is that are we are we actually? You have to undergo the the medical procedure. You just have to hear it described. Oh no! You just have to hear it described oh. and know it exists. Oh, I, oh my God! Like we we know that we we know how 18th century medicine works. We're, we we can do that all day. I please do not have D. H. Lawrence tell us about balls because he has opinions. He does. He does. And so do you two. And thank you for sharing them I, <laughs> with us all. Not, ours, these are the least controversial opinions we've ever had. I, 
No, I, I have to say this this was this was actually a nice palate cleanser in how easily we came to agreement on this, given yeah. how painful reading this book was. Yes. We should leave refreshed. Just, I mean, this yeah. is one of the worst books that has yeah. ever been written. And we've read Re- some <laughs> yeah, real trash. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, read. There's there's much better stuff in the 1920s to go back and listen to some of our episodes on good books from this decade. <laughs> Literally hundreds of better yeah. books. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, this has been better than dead, unfortunately. Uh, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Tesslersaurus. You can find Tristan at TJ Schweiger. You can find Katie at Katie Crywo. You can find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Better Ed Pod. And email us at betteredpodcast at gmail.com. But only if you have further D.H. Lawrence facts, because we do actually want to know more about this absolute wild nut. Uh, our music is Let Bronstein by the Redskins and used with their permission. Our logo is created by Jane Bonsack of JB Design and Content. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And next up, we have Richard Steele's version of the Inkle and Yarico story, followed by Bunyan's slog. Bunyan's progression, Pilgrim's progress, and then our season five wrap up. So thanks, comrades.